What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. It is clearly now the will of the Parliamentary Conservative Party that there should be a new leader of that party and therefore a new Prime Minister. Politics in general has taken total leave of its senses. Changing one man at the top of the Tory party won't make any difference. He won't fix the problems. Let's have a fresh start for Britain. Let's have a real change of government. You're listening to Bloomberg Westminster, your daily guide to British politics. I'm Stephen Carroll. And good afternoon. I'm Caroline Hepke. Coming up on today's programme, we'll speak to Scottish Labour's Mercedes Villalba as her party leader calls for Boris Johnson to speed up his departure. Plus, we'll get the latest on what the betting markets are saying about the race to replace Boris Johnson. That's with Matthew Shattuck from Smarkets. And Conservative MP Alex Shelbrook tells us why he's backing Liz Truss in the leadership contest. But first, things are moving very quickly since Boris Johnson announced his resignation. Bloomberg's Ewan Potts joins us now live from Westminster. Uh, Good to have you on the programme. Hi, Ewan. Lots of people talking about the timetable for Boris Johnson's departure and saying that he can't cling on for months. What is the latest now? Hello from a sun-drenched college green overlooking the Palace of Westminster. It's shaping up to be a scorching day in London and early days that looking like it could be a scorching and wide-open leadership race. As to the timetable that uh, you referred to, well, 1922 Committee of Backbench MPs deep in discussions about how to get that done as swiftly as possible. I think fair to say there's been a fair bit of discontent amongst Conservatives that Boris Johnson could be hanging around until October. Seems like a very uh, long way off on a hot day like this. They want to get it done a little bit quicker than that. Now, the timetable, the hope, is to get the first stage of the process down, the parliamentary stage, by July 3rd, 21st, which is the day uh, that uh, Parliament goes on its summer recess. That's less than two weeks away. So potentially less than two weeks to whittle down maybe as many as 10 candidates down to the final two. Now, MPs will vote in a series of stages uh, to get that number down to the final two. And then over the summer, probably a period of about six weeks, those two will tour the country, tour the grassroots, and Conservative members will make the final decision between those final two, uh, hopefully by September, putting the new leader and the new PM in place in time for the party conference in October. You and several names already coming forward for this race. Who do we know that's running and who do we think will? Well, Stephen, it seems like there's no shortage of candidates for the top job. Reports are that the number could be in double digits. Not many declared candidates at this stage. Suella Braverman, the Attorney-General, uh, rather boldly said that she would run uh, even before Boris Johnson had said that he was leaving the job. Uh, but she, I think it would be fair to say, is an outsider. Uh, interesting, you got a poll of party members, of course, who will make the final decision. Uh, this taken just this week. Ben Wallace, the Defence Secretary, Penny Morden, the Trade Secretary, and Rishi Sunak, a recently departed Chancellor, uh, the three favourites, the three preferred choices amongst uh, Conservative Party members. But of course, it is uh, the MPs who will have to uh, be persuaded before it gets to that stage. And you seem to look at where the money is going. A Betfair exchange, which is a, a betting exchange, they don't set the odds, but the market sets the odds. So the money there, the same 
three candidates as the favourites, although in a slightly different order. Ben Wallace, Richie Sunak and Penny Mordant. But also popular amongst the punters, Tom Sugantart, Elizabeth Truss uh, and Dean Zahawi. Uh, one interesting thing I just want to point out for you is the uh, military connection. Uh, ben Wallace is a former army man and the current defence secretary, Penny Mordant, former defence secretary, and Tom Sugantart is also uh, another uh, uh, army man. So, of course, we have a war going on in Europe, so that will be uh, important in this race. But also, after the Johnson years, perhaps to the sense the Tories uh, want a little bit of military discipline in the next leader. <laughs> OK, you and Potts with the latest from Westminster. Thank you very much for that. Well, Conservative MPs now do have to make up their minds then, don't they? And quite swiftly about who they will support in the leadership election. We were speaking to Nigel Mills, the MP for Amber Valley. He has not made up his mind yet, but we asked him what he'll actually be looking for in the new leader. We need somebody who we can be sure can competently run the government machine and actually yeah, bring into action the, all the promises they make. That was one of the big issues, actually, that... Boris Johnson had, he just couldn't get a system around him that could make the machine deliver and he'd, you know, he'd, he'd promised some some great policies and then we never saw any action on them so I think that will be a key part of it for me. We need somebody that has a appeal across the Red Moor voters who voted for us first time in the North but we also need to bring back into the fold some of the long-standing uh, Conservatives who voted Remain who you know, felt a bit disillusioned with, with Boris. That'll be a, you know, another key question. Okay, so that was the Conservative MP Nigel Mills speaking to us on Bloomberg Radio just earlier this morning, talking about the need for competent and broad appeal for any new Conservative Party leader. The opposition, meanwhile, is focusing on when Boris Johnson will leave number 10. Labour, the Lib Dems and the Scottish National Party say they intend to bring a no-confidence motion forward if the Prime Minister doesn't step down well before a new Conservative leader is chosen. Well, joining us now is Mercedes Villalba, who's a Labour member of the Scottish Parliament for North East Scotland. Mercedes, thank you for being with us on Bloomberg Westminster. Uh, why rush this, prote- this process? Surely the Conservatives should be allowed some time to pick the right new leader. Good morning. Thank you for having me on. Um, I, I wouldn't say um, it is rushing the process. Um, the, the, the situation is we're, we're in a national emergency. Um, we've got um, millions of people across the country who can't afford the basics. They can't heat their home. They can't feed their kids. They can't pay their rent. And at a time like that, we need our government to be working in their interest. But instead, we've got a government uh, run by the Tories who are um, fixated on internal uh, party machinations and who's going to be the next leader. I don't think any of them are fit to govern. And so I think it's right that we um, that the no confidence vote is is put forward at the earliest opportunity. Okay, how swiftly then would you want someone in? I mean, Parliament um, goes into recess in a couple of weeks. There wouldn't be any business done then anyway. Um, You know, if there's somebody in place by September, that's as soon as can be done, surely. Well, I I think the point is that uh, it it shouldn't be for um, uh, Tory um, MPs who have supported um, the Tory government throughout the pandemic through their mishandling and, and through um, their lack of action on the cost of living crisis, it shouldn't be for them to decide um, who's going to be the next leader of the country. It, we should have a general election um, so that the people can decide. Is that a good idea for Labour in Scotland now, though? Are you ready for an election? I think we're all, always ready to put the case for um, a, a socialist government 
to the people of the country. Um, everybody is um, struggling uh, at the moment, as I've said. Um, we need a government that will um, bring in uh, immediate short-term measures to help people. That means um, inflation-proofing incomes. That means um, providing immediate short-term uh, protection for people to get through uh, this cost-of-living crisis. And, and I think only uh, the Labour Party is prepared um, to, to, to help people in that way. But hang on, it was the Conservative government that brought in billions of pounds of spending in terms of the pandemic, support for individuals and businesses. Next week, you have 8 million UK households who get a cost of living payment. Again, billions being spent by the government in order to to, to support incomes. And those are, those are Conservative Party policies in terms of supporting ordinary Brits. Well, I think... It- the thing is, uh, it, it sounds like a lot because we're talking about a country's national finances, but actually it, 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 is, it is tinkering. It's not structural change. They're not talking about, just on Wednesday, the French government were talking about um, nationalising energy uh, or electricity. Um, that's the kind of uh, the changes that I think uh, a, a responsible government working in the interest of ordinary householders uh, would be doing. They'd be nationalising key services. Um, yes, the Tories provided some funding through the pandemic, but let's not forget they also redirected a lot of public funds to their own, uh, you know, cronies with the with the mishandling of the PPE contracts. So um, it may sound like big figures. But actually, what it works out for individual households is it, it but, pales in comparison to the multi-million profits being being hoarded by by you know corporation CEOs. Mercedes France already owns eighty four percent of EGF, so going up to one hundred percent isn't anything like the sort of investment that would be needed to nationalise electricity companies in this country. How you know how would you pay for that amount of huge public money? But what steps? is the government taking to nationalise any percentage of these companies? <clears throat> so, you know, you're saying France were already at 84%. We're, we're at zero, and yet we've been putting a lot of public money into these um, industries and these companies. We need to run them in the public interest so that we can, yes, reduce prices for consumers, but also improve the paying conditions for the workers in those industries. Um, so, yeah, it would, it would require investment, but investment uh, leads to job creation. And so, in the end, uh, our whole society will be uh, wealthier for, for having nationalised industries. OK, but, but nationalising the industry is not going to solve the fundamental issue, which is that energy prices, oil and gas, have shot up because there's the war in Ukraine, Russia supplies Europe, and it's a global market for oil and gas. I mean, actually nationalising things won't, won't change the picture at all. And there is a serious issue now that Europe faces. If Russia does go to a full cut-off of gas, that will affect Britain. I mean, this is a very, very serious moment for, for the UK. Well, if you think about the rationale between price rises, it sounds like the argument is that there is a limited supply and so they have to increase prices so that it becomes those who can most afford it get the resource. I think that's fundamentally unfair. I think everybody has just as much right right to to these basic uh, resources as anyone else. And so if there's a limited supply, I think our government ought to be buying in bulk and ensuring that everybody um, it has access on the basis of need, not ability to pay. Mercedes, we are, you know, you were going to be have this Conservative Prime Minister for at least a, a, some period of time anyway. Is there anyone in the Conservative Party that you would like to see 
lead it, given sure. that they're going to have to that you're going to have to deal with them for some time. Absolutely not. There is no one in that party that I think is fit to be prime minister. Hi, I'm Ron Kraszewski, chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing entrepreneurial advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. Well, one Conservative MP who's already made up his mind about who he will support for leader is Alex Shelbrook. The MP for Elmas and Rothwell told us about his choice earlier on Bloomberg Radio. Well, one Conservative MP who's already made up his mind about who he will support for leader is Alex Shelbourne. The MP for Elmerton Rodwell told us that his uh, choice uh, on Bloomberg Radio just earlier this morning. Um, I'm backing Liz Truss, uh, the Foreign Secretary. Um, mm-hmm. I spoke to her a few months ago, actually, and said, um, you know, if, if the situation was to change, I think um, she should run. Um, and my opinion on that hasn't changed because I, quite frankly, am really concerned about world defence as much as anything else. Um, that's why we had to bring this to an end, because this distraction um, of... We just weren't going to get out of the hole we were dug into um, with the current Prime Minister. So I'm looking for somebody who's known on the world stage, has proven themselves, and um, from Liz's point of view, she is well known, um, being at the forefront of um, UK relationships, dealing with the war in Ukraine, the effect that's having around the world. She also was given the Northern Ireland Protocol to sort out, which obviously was exceptionally difficult. She not only managed to draft that, but she steered it through its first stage in the Commons, and that is not something that was any um, easy feat to complete. Well, it's, it's not going very well now, is it? Well, you say it's through the Commons and it's up to the House of Lords and uh, most people thought you'd never get anything through the Commons. So um, that is something she's um, got on her record. But as I say, she, she was able to do a lot of trade deals. She's actually the most experienced uh, member of the Cabinet. She's mm-hmm. had several departments. She's been around um, a, a lot of time. I've actually known her over 20 years myself. Um, she's got Alex, um, an intellectual mind. Does Liz Truss have the backing of the grassroots party? That ultimately is what matters. And absolutely, that's what we're going to test, isn't it? So we'll get her into, we'll work very hard to get her into um, the final. And then we'll, obviously, the polling will come out of whoever those two are. And then we will put that test to mm. party and, and we will have that answer. How soon should this election happen? 
Yes, I think that's a very good question. Um, I think it needs to be expedited as quickly as possible. Um, certainly, I think it's going to take us till Thursday the 21st to get the two candidates in place. What I ideally would then like to see is that we're ready for the new Prime Minister when we come back in the first week of September. Now, that's going to mean there's going to have to be an accelerated process throughout the um, summer. But I, we will know probably what the exact timetable would be on Tuesday, I would imagine. The new 1922 committee elected on Monday, they will meet. There'll have to be a meeting with the party board. But I would hope by Tuesday we will have the full timetable. Uh, the Conservative Party has been immensely damaged um, by the scandals surrounding Boris Johnson. How are you as an MP and your colleagues going to repair that damage with voters? Yes, again, um, an excellent question because that is undoubtedly true and that's why we've got to move on to leadership of honesty and integrity. Um, we need to be able to get on with delivering the manifesto um, and get away from all of the sideshows. Ultimately, I mean, I've been around politics for over 20 years. I've been a several general elections and I say without doubt that the manifesto I stood on in 2019 was probably the best manifesto I've ever stood on. Now we've got to get back to delivering that manifesto and and to be fair a lot of the problems have been of course through the pandemic that, that blew the whole thing off course but I, I honestly believe if we deliver the vast majority of that pandemic in the time we've got left in this parliament we remember we're only halfway through um, and we've got solid respected leadership then I think we will repair our reputation. But Liz Truss is someone who's very closely associated with Boris Johnson. Can you really reboot the party's support by someone who was so close to him? Well, I mean, she served in his cabinet as foreign secretary and various other roles. I think you're looking for somebody who um, effectively does come from the cabinet because um, we are talking about the prime minister, which doesn't get much bigger than that, and people who have run big departments um, and are running big departments are going to make that transition more smoothly um, and therefore by definition it's going to be somebody who's worked closely with the Prime Minister because he's obviously been head of the Cabinet for over three years. Yeah, um, but Boris Johnson in his resignation speech yesterday made very clear that the 14 million votes that he felt that the Conservative Party got at the last election were due to him. There's going to be pressure every single day after you do get a new leader for that leader to take, uh, you know, to take the popularity to the people, to, to ask them for a new mandate. How can the Conservative Party avoid going to a general election soon? because the parliamentary party was elected with an 80 majority. We don't have a presidential system, we have a parliamentary system. Nobody in this constituency actually cast a vote for Boris Johnson. He wasn't on the ballot paper. That's not how our system works. And it is a parliament which is only halfway through. Yes, the leadership has been changed, but that's happened plenty of times in history, as you know. And we but will see not without those individuals then being under a lot of pressure. They've all faced that same pressure every time. Yes, and we went from June 2007 to May 2010 when Labour changed leader. It's not unusual for leadership to change. You don't have to go for a general election. There'll be pressure from political opponents, but that is just politics. And if ultimately, towards the end of this term, people say, I was very unhappy about that and I don't vote for you, we will go out of government. And that, that's when the verdict will get cast. So that was Alex Shelbrook, the Conservative MP for Elmerton Rodwell, yeah, saying that he is backing Liz Truss. That's the view of one MP. Let's find out how the betting markets are viewing the Tory leadership race. We're joined now by Matthew Shattuck, who's head of political markets at the betting exchange Smarkets. Uh, Matthew, thanks for being with us. What are your latest numbers showing about who's in with the chance of taking over from Boris Johnson? Hi, Stephen. Yeah, well, the truth is it's a completely wide open race. Interesting to hear Alex just now chipping up Liz Truss. 
she's fifth favourite, so we give her about a eight um, percent chance of winning as things stand. Ben Wallace uh, shot to the front of the markets shortly after Johnson resigned yesterday. Uh, he's been given about a twenty-two percent chance of winning, and close behind him, we're seeing Sunak quite well backed yesterday. Uh, Penny Mordaunt. And Tom Tugentat, I think, is the first one to officially declare that he's going to run out of these leading candidates. Um, how accurate can you really be then um, if, as you say, the race is so wide open? How how accurate have you been in the past, Matthew? Well, these things are very difficult to call. I mean, Conservative Party leadership contests in the past have a record of seeing favourites lose. Well, Boris Johnson was a strong favourite going to the last one he did win. Um, but, yeah, these are just the, the probabilities that are generated by the sort of wisdom of the crowd. So the balance of money being placed by various people participating in these markets is saying, you know, this is what we think the best estimate of what's going to happen is. It's not a crystal ball. We don't know what's going to happen. But I think the best way of guessing the relative probabilities of all of these candidates is to look at a sort of well-run betting market with quite a bit of money being uh, traded on this. I think by the end of this contest, this could be one of the biggest UK political betting markets of all time. Well, interesting. How does it compare to, to previous rounds? I think it's definitely going to be bigger than the 2019 version, which Boris Johnson won, because Johnson was a very strong favourite most of the way through that contest. Whereas here, it does look completely wide open. And that, that means there's at least you know 10 or 12 candidates who look completely plausible and quite a few outsiders who I, I couldn't rule out either. Is that a figure that's been evolving? Has, that, you know, has there been a spike in interest this week? Oh, yeah. I mean, as soon as the as soon as Johnson resigned yesterday, this went into overdrive. People wanted to start speculating who's going to win. Over the next few days, I expect we'll see various candidates declare they're going to run or maybe not run, and that'll generate a lot more interest too. And we're kind of waiting for the 1922 committee on Monday to just shore up what the rules are going to be, because we could see as many as 10 or 12 people actually featuring on the ballot when they start, when the MPs start voting. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the number keeps going up, actually, frankly, since since uh, just before Boris Johnson resigned to now. And look, how how has the betting then changed since the Johnson resignation? I can hardly believe that I'm saying it's it's barely 24 <laughs> hours like old. Feels like weeks ago already. Yes, yeah. but, but it's, not, it's just over a day. Yeah, well, as I say, Ben Wallace was a big move yesterday. There was some polling evidence that he was very popular with the party membership. But he's, you know, that's only half the equation, right? He's got to get to the final two first. Um, the other people have moved quite a bit. I mean, Sunak's price has improved, I think, since he quit the cabinet. Likewise, Sajid Javid, I think both of those are going to get some credit for being the first ones out. On the other hand, Nadim Zahawi, his stock seems to have fallen because I think you could say he hasn't played his hand very well if all he was thinking about was his leadership prospects. So Zahawi back down to sort of sixth or seventh in the betting. Um, a little bit of money for people like Steve Baker, who suggested he was going to run. Even Suella Braverman, she's a big outsider, sort of 2% chance of winning. Um, one person I actually quite fancy, who's an uh, enormous price he might run, is uh, Grant Shapps. I know he's had a few issues in, in the past before he became an MP, but, you know, he's still available at sort of 100 to 1. Um, and I think he's he's reasonably popular with the membership. He's seen as being done a pretty good job as a cabinet minister. Not, you know, particularly likely, but as a... As a, a a fun punt at a big price. He's the one I'm going for. Does does the betting diverge much from polling and these issues? Because we know YouGov YouGov had a poll out on this as well, and and Ben Wallace scored very strongly in that too. Yeah, so I think when we get to the sort of final two, uh, then I think the polling will play a massive part because that's that's polling of party members who get to eventually choose. 
But before that, we've got to get through the the MP stage of picking those finals. So when we don't really know uh, who are the most popular. Now, Smarkets, we've got a tracker trying to monitor everybody who's declared for each of the candidates, but we don't even know who the candidates are yet. So the betting market have got to, yes, pay attention to what the polls say about what the membership think. But for, before that, we've got to try and work out who the MPs mm. are like to vote for. And these contests can be very unpredictable. You can have rounds where people get eliminated by you know, one or two votes. So it's going to be fascinating to see what happens mm. in that first round, which I guess we're expecting Tuesday or Wednesday next week. Okay, I'm going to throw into this the male versus female question, you know, in terms of obviously you had Theresa May, female leader, then Boris Johnson. I mean, I think this is a factor given the kind of government standing on women's issues, etc. Male versus female candidate. Any thoughts briefly? Uh, you'd say looking at the odds is about a 75, 80 percent chance it's going to be a man. I mean, there are two leading female contenders here. Penny Mordant, who I think stands an excellent chance. She's got about a 13 percent chance of winning. And Liz Truss, who we mentioned before, she's got she's got a decent shot. There aren't very many other um, female candidates in this list. Looking down, you've got Suella Braverman, who yeah. I would be amazed if she won. Uh, it doesn't look like very likely there'll be any other women standing. So mm-hmm. uh, more likely to be a man. I suppose that one thing that's interesting to me is whether it could potentially be a Remainer or a Brexiteer who originally voted Remain or, or leave in the 2016 referendum. Because yeah. I'm quite surprised by how many Tory voices are saying it has to be an original Brexiteer. Bloomberg Westminster. Listen weekdays at noon on DAB Digital Radio in London. Success. It's discipline. It's teamwork. It's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. And it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest growing global wealth management and investment banking firms in the industry. Stiefel. It's where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more.